There is not a man or a beast. There is nothing on the land or underneath. There is nothing that can separate the love that God has for you and for me. And for that, I say, thanks be to God this morning. Good morning, good morning. It's good to see everybody. My name is John Weaver. I am the director and one of the campus ministers at the Wesley Foundation of Middle Tennessee. The Wesley is a United Methodist-sponsored campus ministry. We are an extension of this church and all the churches of the Tennessee Annual Conference, and we are there to provide love, care, support, and discipleship to students who are uh, at Middle Tennessee State University or in uh, go to colleges all across the Middle Tennessee State. And now virtually with COVID and everything else, we also provide uh, small groups and ministry for students anywhere from Alaska to Chicago to, we even have a student in Scotland who joins us as part of a small group. And so we are there for students. And I'm here this morning as I filled in last week and this week, I've spent two weeks here filling in for Trey as he's on sabbatical, our senior pastor, Trey Carey is a, a, just an incredibly close friend of mine. I was happy to get to do this as a, not, if not only just to help him, but also get to be with you in this season. I'm so thankful to get to have this time to be able to share and to preach, and it's been a great joy. And I just want to say again, another word of welcome. We're so glad that you're here, whether you're physically here, you're joining us online, or maybe even if you're joining us a little bit later online, just please know that Fellowship is a church that is alive and as well and has love and care for each and every one of you. And we're so thankful for this opportunity to worship. A couple of weeks ago, Trey talked about the greatest hits or the greatest hits of God, which were the greatest commandment and the greatest in the great commission. And then I kind of extended that to last week. We talked about the 10 commandments as the greatest hits. Well, today is greatest hits volume three, which is talking about John three sixteen. So, you know, you can find a piece of scripture in your church center app or bring it on your phone. But today I'm excited to invite Ryan Schmidt. Ryan uh, is from Tampa, Florida. Uh, he was uh, he's been an active part of the Wesley Foundation and, as you might know him, an incredibly active part of our worship team here at church. And today is actually his last Sunday for last Sunday is that he's joining a production. Uh, he'll be going to California and then back to Arkansas to then uh, do a live production and to be able to play guitar and do music for them. So we just want to say a great word of thanks to Ryan and a lot of appreciation for his incredible servant leadership. And this morning, he's going to continue that servant leadership by offering our scripture from John 3. Come on, Ryan. Hear the word of the Lord. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe... How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe in him are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, 
and the people have loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all those who do evil hate light, and those who do not come to the light so that their deeds might be exposed. But those who but those who do what is true come to the light so that they may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that with the reading and the hearing of your holy word, that we may become more like Christ, and that we may further see the ways in which we can love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray this and ask that you equip us in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. So I gotta tell you, like, this is like my favorite time of year. This is my favorite time of year because this, ladies and gentlemen, is baseball season. I love spring when baseball gets started up. I, I played football for so, so long, but, but baseball is actually my first love. I didn't play baseball, really, because I, first of all, was not built for such things. But then secondly, I, well, I, I grew up on a farm. We, we, springtime is just crazy. We a lot of work, and summers are just full of different things to do. But I love baseball. I, I love watching baseball and taking part. And this, this season, y'all, is so, so wonderful because now... I have my six and eight-year-old, uh, Bramble, the eight-year-old, Huck, the six-year-old. They're both playing baseball. And so we, we're all in, Danny. We are all into this thing, man. We, are, we have the chairs stay in the back of our cars and trucks to go to the ball field. We have baseballs everywhere around our house. Um, we're constantly having to make sure that all of the stuff where they need to be. We have dinners in baseball field parking lots we are there and life is so much fun we had a baseball game we had two baseball games yesterday and on one of the teams on huck's team i'm i'm a i'm a coach now i gotta, I gotta tell you there's not a lot of strategy to six-year-olds playing baseball okay somebody asked me are you coaching them well i mean are, are you making good decisions it's like there are no decisions to make you just try to get people in the right place you try to encourage and just see how it shakes out and on this particular team, there's just, there's a bunch of dads who all played baseball and are really great at what they do. And I'm there, I guess you could say I'm the encourager. I'm the moral support. They asked me to pray a lot. And I like that. It's great. And so one of my, uh, one of my places, one of my jobs, and we have a picture of it. This was yesterday. One of my jobs is to be in the outfield as I'm in a prayerful spirit is to, is to make sure that these kids are where they need to be. And part of my job is to say a thousand times in a game the phrase, baseball ready? Anybody ever heard that around a ballpark? Baseball ready? Well, baseball ready is to make sure that, that their eyes are looking towards the ball because, you know, balls start coming back towards them. It's also to make sure that they're in the right position, that they're ready to go and they've got their glove out and everybody's ready. So I constantly, constantly just say baseball ready to these six-year-olds. I can be looking at one of them and say baseball ready, and they go, uh-huh. I've made up poems and songs that rhyme with baseball ready. I'm doing everything I can to get them together. So I'm here. That's actually Huck, my six-year-old playing pitcher right there, playing pitcher right there. Um, and so I'm, I'm constantly saying baseball ready, baseball ready. I have said this 
I'm not exaggerating, y'all. I have said this 150,000 times between practices and games. And something happened yesterday. One of, one of the kids here, I'm not going to point them out. We're not going to do that. But one of the kids yesterday said, I said, baseball ready. I mean, the other coach is about to pitch to the other team. This kid gets up from the dirt, which is great. And he looks at me. I said, baseball ready. And he looked at me and said, but what does that really mean? Okay. The, the thing about it is that I, I can't help but think of the numbers of times that you and I have read, seen, or maybe even reflected on John 3.16. I mean, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that several of you have it memorized. It was like the first Bible verse I ever memorized as a kid. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I have known that since I was about seven years old. How many times have we heard it? How many times, like hearing baseball ready, have we heard it, we heard it, we heard it? And this is a Sunday, we get to stop for a second. We get to take a time out in the game of life and say, but what does that really mean? Now, I, we're gonna explore this with me, but but you remember, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guy who works with college students. We believe in interactive. We believe in there should, be, there should be noise and music and laughter and tears and everything in our spaces where we worship. And so I'm going to have to ask you to, to really participate this morning, which is that I've got three questions that I want you to be able to look at John 3, 16 and 17 and ask yourself these three questions. And I want you to then turn to your neighbors. What stands out, for you, what stands out to you? I want to look at, maybe look at the question, what questions do you have about these verses? And how might these verses change your daily life? Now, I want you to stay, you know, COVID safe, but you can turn to people that are around you. And you're going to have a few minutes. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable at talking here that, uh, to take a few minutes to work on these questions. So find, a mate, find your neighbor, make a neighbor, stay COVID safe. You got a couple of minutes. Talk about these questions. John 3, 16 and 17, go.
I hope you had a chance to share, everybody had a chance to share with somebody. And if you're online, feel free to write your uh, responses to some of these questions in the Facebook feed. We'd love to see that. And, and please, by all means, I, I know that I wish I could just, uh, we could just have, we should do all the time of y'all just having a conversation and make sure to continue that to lunch and to be on with the people that are kind of in your COVID pod there. But I, I think I would go uh, just tell you that kind of my sermon today is like answering these questions when I walk through it this week. And I think the first thing of like what stands out to me is, is really what stands out to me is that obviously there's that incredible John three sixteen like this is for how loved we are. It's so loved is this. But I, I will tell you, like baseball already, the word love gets thrown, away, thrown around so much that it's hard to actually know what that is and how that works. And so I think to me, the important, incredible verse of John three sixteen is what comes after, John three seventeen, The Son of Man came to save this world and not condemn it. It, it shows the nature of love because we have all these songs, right? These songs that say, what is love? And the song is, I want to know what love is. But here, John 3, 17 gives us a context to define, define the love that God is talking about in John 3, 16. It shows us the full measure of God's love, that it's a love that saves. It's a love that inspires. It's a love that causes great change. But most importantly, it is a love that does not condemn. This is an important note. This is probably one of the biggest things I want you to take with you today is that there's an important reminder from John 3, 16 and 17 that we do not save people, nor does Christ condemn them. We'll say that again. We do not save, nor does Christ condemn. I know that this is a big temptation for me is that I want to save people. I want to fix people. Now, Thankfully, the way that the kingdom of God works, I get to partner with Christ, but Christ is the one that does the saving. I know we spend so much of our energy and time with our neighbors, our loved ones and friends that we want to be the ones that save them, but in reality, we just invite them to the one who does. We invite them to the one that neither slumbers nor sleeps, that a heart that won't stop at coming after these people that we also love we see that Christ, even Christ himself, doesn't come with condemnation. It comes to save. Now, that doesn't mean there's not conviction, that love can't convict us, that the love of God doesn't convict us. But it means that we, for sure, are not ones who will bring as part of loving people to condemn them or disapprove of them or to judge them. For if Christ doesn't do it, neither shall we. And the truth is, we sometimes seek and settle for less than the love of God that is there to inspire, and to save, and to heal. We often take just the infatuation of God, or sometimes we will be happy just with having God as, a, as somebody that we're a fan of, or maybe we take the love of God and when we try to offer it to other people, we offer a dimly lit as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, a dimly lit reflection. But here we need to fully receive the incredible love of God 
and to offer it in its best form to others. And so maybe, I guess this is the thing I wanna make sure that you're here today. God loves you. And I'll at least speak for myself. I'm gonna try to the best of my ability. In baseball, we, this is the, the three things that Ella and I have kind of talked about with our kids at the end of every practice, at the end of every game. We simply say to them, did, did you try your hardest? Did you listen to your coach? Did you have fun? I got to tell you, those three rules have been kind of my three rules for the last few weeks. Am I trying my hardest to receive and offer the love of Christ? Am I listening to my coach, Jesus, my Lord? And am I, am I having fun? Am I finding the joy that Christ has for me? If the love of God that you are experiencing doesn't look like this, I've got to ask you, why not? You are loved like this. And that what I hear every time that I read John 3, 16 and 17, what I really hear is also this piece of liturgy that we have in the United Methodist Church at Holy Communion that we'll celebrate in just a few minutes that says that Christ died for us while, you're, while we were yet sinners that proves God's love toward us. I love that line. It reminds me that this love that God has offered because it's free from condemnation, it is, I don't have to be perfect than to come and receive it. God loves me just the way that I am, but that through that love, I also become something better. So there was a, but there was a question. That's the second thing I ask you, like what questions does this bring up? There's a question that I kind of, I lived in all the week. And my question is, what does eternal life look like? What does that really mean? What is eternal life? Now, we know that Jesus, there's a piece of this, and eternal life means the kingdom of heaven, or it means you know, the hereafter, that means that the resurrection of the life and the body that we have in Christ later, we know that it means all those things. But Jesus actually spends so little time talking about what that kingdom of heaven's gonna be like, but spends a lot of time talking about having abundant eternal life here and now. I remember a phrase that our former pastor, Mike Strange, likes to offer, which is that, even if heaven wasn't part of the deal, I would still be a Christian. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I agree with that. Because ultimately, the greatest joys of my life are living abundant life in Christ here and now. And to know that and to feel that is such an incredible thing. And here we have this love that's supposed to enable us to have abundant life, eternal life. Life that is us being truly alive now and forever. At my most weary, afraid, anxious, tired moments, it is because I have forgotten and moved a little bit away from the love of God, the love of my family, and the love that I have for both of them. But nothing separates us from the love of God. So it's important this day as we remember eternal life, it is that we can renew ourselves in that eternal life through the love of God. It's a great quote that I love from Bernardo Clairvaux, this early, early monk, who said that love is the fountain of life. The soul which does not drink from it 
cannot be called a lie. Love is the fountain of life, and the soul which does not drink from it cannot be called a lie. I want to live. I want to live. So these are, are pieces of information for me about this scripture, but scripture is not just about information. It's hopefully about transformation. And this is the transformation question that I asked you earlier. How might these verses change your daily life? Well, I'll tell you, this week, thinking about this, working on this, these verses will change my life because this type of love that God has challenges the way that I love and I live. These verses, this type of love challenges the way I love and live on a daily basis. Because there's times where I'm afraid. And we're reminding the scripture that love casts out all fear. This entire piece of scripture is started off, this entire incredible moment is begins with this guy called Nicodemus, a teacher, who comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want anybody to see that he's coming to talk to Jesus. He respects Jesus. He thinks the miracles are great. He loves what he's saying, but he's super scared about what this Jesus guy might mean in their lives. And I'll go ahead and tell you, Jesus often messes up our lives in a good way. But he's afraid. And he comes to Jesus in his fear. And it's through this, Jesus offers this. He's saying that we have a God that loves us so much. And he's saving us. Cast out your fear. This is a great reminder for me that this challenges the way that I live sometimes in fear and anxiety and just weariness, that the love of God renews and restores, and that it also challenges the way that I love people. I usually sometimes say, I love people so much, I tell them what I think they should be doing. Okay, guys, don't point fingers this morning. But the truth is, my telling them what I think they should be doing is usually, I hate to confess on this, but here we go. It usually involves me being a little bit judgmental. And it usually involves me a lot of condemning them for what I think is about to happen. That's not the love of, that Christ offers me. But for the love of God, it may not be what I offer to other people. Because the truth is, there are so many people who need this incredible reminder of this love of God. As I've said, yeah, I'm a, I work with college students and I had a college student years ago come and sit in my office and they were invited to our ministry by a friend. And after a few weeks of having meals with us and then leaving before the Bible study, I, I kind of did the thing where I was like, hey, let's sit down, let's have coffee and let's talk. And, and as I, I did that, um, this, this, this guy just looked at me and said, hey, here's the deal. I'm gonna keep coming and I'm gonna enjoy the meals because they're great, but just don't talk to me about this love of God thing that you always talk about. Okay, why is that? And ultimately he said, I can't believe in a God that loves me this way because I honestly can't love myself as much as you say that God does. And I grew up in a family where this was not the way that love looks. 
And I've been part of a couple of churches that it was always ugly and difficult and petty and condemning and judgmental. And so none of this love part matches up. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to come and get my poppy seed chicken. I'm going to smile at people. We'll go out to coffee, but don't give me this love thing. I smiled and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you because you don't get to decide that. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm just going to ask you, just keep showing up. Keep coming. Because in my heart of hearts, I said, I'm, I, I, I said, my heart of hearts, I said, it may feel like a gambler. It may feel like a bet, but I bet that if he'll just keep showing up, these ever-reaching heart of God that is pushing and pulling, wishing and wanting, helping to save, is going to get them. And then over time, one day, he went from being someone who would come and have her meal to someone who stayed for a Bible study. And one day they showed up for worship. And it was a few worships later that we had communion together, but then it was finally this one time that they came and received communion. And I was kind of blown away. And after, I asked, what, what's changing? And said, ultimately, he said, I felt love for the first time. So that this God that is declared as God is love, I can believe that, that God's there now. And it came from a community loving in these uncondemning, deep and passionate ways that helped cast out fear and anxiety and said, this is what love is. This is who our God is. We have a lot of people in our communities who may not be able to believe in this type of God because they may not be able to believe in this type of love. This is our opportunity to show the difference. It's our challenge to love people the way that God loves them, knowing that that is an impossible challenge, but we're gonna take it on anyway. Because the grace of Jesus Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit is with us. And today, we get to be invited to a space that reminds us and that deepens us about the love of God. We get to come to a space that is not ours, but we take part in because Christ invites us to this space. And we come to this table being reminded of what the love of God and the full measure of the kingdom of God looks like. Um, we've got the liturgy for today um, that we're going to be able to offer together. There's going to be some sections where you're going to respond. I'll help lead you in that. Because this is an opportunity for us to participate in coming to a table that declares God's love so beautifully. Because Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. And if you'll join me in this confession by saying, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. 
free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And together, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. It was on the night that Jesus betrayed that he took his disciples into the upper room. These were not perfect people. They were the people that Christ had called. And there around the table, after giving thanks, he took the bread of the table and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. You can take your cup that you received when you came in. If you don't have one, we'll try to get one to you very quickly. But go ahead and peel back to get to the piece of bread. You can hold that piece of bread the best of your ability. If you're already taking it, that's okay. And if you can, try to peel back that other piece, knowing that this is the blood of Christ, shed for you, poured out for all. That if often as we do this, we can do this in remembrance of him. And now if you receive this blessing. Gracious and holy God, we have confessed to you. We have sought forgiveness. And we have found it in your incredible love. We ask, oh God, that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of the bread and the cup. May they be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And in turn, oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that we may be the body, redeemed by your blood, ready to go in love and serve this world. May we partner with you to save it, to grow it, and to make it reflect the kingdom of God. In this we pray, amen.